listening to a podcast from Light FM. Oh, the weekend's over. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Monday Motivators. Woo-hoo! Helping you start the week with your best foot forward. It's a light breakfast with Asha and Terry. Good morning. On Monday Motivators today, our guest is Emma Brankin, a woman who ditched her law career to start Bobble Magpie. Now, before we get into uh, any of what you're kind of doing now, let's go back in time and, and sort of ask you how jewellery, intaglios, anything that you're doing now kind of popped up in your childhood that started this whole passion of yours my grandma my maternal grandma was really passionate about jewelry and my fondest childhood memories really were kind of rummaging with her through her jewels which were a mix of high quality pieces she had a a garard diamond brooch that i remember but also you know she had costume and a really eclectic mix which i think is probably reflected in my taste now but just those happy childhood memories of drinking tea and playing essentially with jewellery, it, it really stuck with me. And I think that it's nice to mention here that uh, the magpie part of my business name is my own private nod to my grandmother because oh. she was in West Yorkshire and there's a lot of magpies in West Yorkshire. And when we were playing with her jewels, we also used to count the magpies out of the window. So mm. that's how the brand got its name, really. Oh, and is it true that magpies are attracted to all that glitters and gold? And you've got to be careful because they'll just steal stuff well i don't claim to be an ornithologist (laughs) (laughs) apparently so apparently so they um they line their nests with tinfoil and the like the shiny things which would include some of the things that you create now (laughs) well we try our best (laughs) definitely okay so you obviously had those lovely memories with with gran and that's where sort of the appreciation of playing with all those juicy baubles and gorgeous things happened was there a stage where you know you kind of put those things down and went right I've, I've got to focus on school now and, and sort of they got forgotten perhaps or put aside for proper life to continue yeah I mean it's very interesting in my family we've got a very strong matriarchal line of business women so my grandmother owned a school my mother was a dentist and owned a business with my father and then I went into law because I think I suppose when I was growing up in the early 90s, it was perceived to be a great career, which of course it is. How did that transition happen from lawyer? At which point did you decide that, okay, I'm going to go into jewellery full time? Like, how did it, did you start off dabbling? (laughs) Yeah. What happened was during lockdown, like a lot of people, I was a bit lonely and a bit blue and a bit isolated. And I was at home with my child who has extra needs my husband who's also a lawyer and very busy and i just felt really lonely and he suggested Mm. to me that i started an instagram account because he's very passionate about watches and he said well why don't you do one for jewelry and so i did it was january 2021 so what was the first thing you sold after you started your instagram account it was a propelling pencil (laughs) what's a propelling Um, pencil like a you know oh like a mechanical pencil is it? Yeah, from but Victorian, and I, I didn't want it. I, I bought myself something at auction for my collection, right? And it came with this propelling pencil, so I put it up in in my stories. Like I really don't want this, but it's old, and I'm sure somebody thinks it's beautiful. And one of my friends in Germany says, "I'll have it. I'll give you twenty pounds for it, and I'll pay the postage." I was like, "Right, job's good." And that was your first sale. Going, yeah, it, it wasn't going to waste. I, I would have given it to her, and that was it. I was. 
I was in, you know. <laughs> okay, so I like the Godfather. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just when I thought I was out. Yeah. <laughs> From propelling pencils, now hmm. you are what a lot of people consider a specialist in something called intaglios. And whilst you say you don't create them yourselves, you do do bespoke pieces. You you now curate and create for the individual. So can you talk us a little through that transitional arc from sort of collector lawyer to then just collector sporadic accidental seller <laughs> to now actually creator of a very niche kind of jewelry so tell us all a little bit about that we had the propelling pencil and then a few weeks later i was walking past a shop in my local town i was on my way to the indoor market to get a stir fry for my lunch because i was feeling naughty <laughs> and i walked past a shop and it had some beautiful antique gold chains in it and i bought the bought, i think i bought two chains and three bracelets with um money that my grandparents had left me oh. and before i'd left the shop I'd sold two chains, two bracelets, and had enough money over in profit to pay for the chain that I'd originally wanted. Right. So that it, wait, was that's, the real defining moment. Wow. In that space of, what, an hour? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It, and I suppose then I thought, that's when I really thought, hang about, you know. I think I made £1,300 because that was how wow. much my chain was. Wow. I remember thinking I had enough money left over for my um, stir-fry. <laughs> Emma, the practical Emma comes in. I think I thought well, maybe I'll have some. Maybe I'll have some extra chicken. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, this is going to be being a lawyer, you know. And so I started properly selling gold then, um, and that was so. That was June 2021, and in August 2021, I found my niche. How? Well, bluntly, I observed other people doing it and thought, do you know what, I can do this better, so much better. I, I could see the genius of the idea, but I couldn't see it being well done. And I really thought rather than dabbling, there was a business there for somebody who really focused, really learned, and really honoured the pieces. So tell us because a bit about client... what what the pieces are, what and what you were seeing, and then what you're doing differently because i think a lot of people would have no idea what what this is or if they've seen it even know that it had a name um i specialize in georgian and victorian intaglios so broadly speaking 1700 to i don't know 1920 something like that the reason why i picked that area is because i think they're fun they're the ones i like personally when somebody had to send correspondence uh, we didn't have envelopes we had to seal our correspondence somehow because it had to be private. Mm -hmm. um, and so people used to take an implement, a fob, with an intaglio in it, which is a carved piece of stone mm. with a special image, which originally was like a monogram or a heraldic crest. Mm. Right. They pressed it into hot wax and that sealed the envelope. So it could then make its journey across Britain mm -hmm. um, to be delivered. And you would know that it had been kept confidential and that it also came from the sender it was meant to have come from because it had their family seal on it. Right. And I think what makes me so obsessed about them is, I suppose, from a kind of anthropological, cultural point of view, my perception is, in some ways, they're really reassuring because not much has changed. Mm. Mm. The key enduring human emotions they experienced in Georgian times of love and grief and laughter and, and wit and loving their pets, they're all on these seals. 
and oh. we all still do that now. So yeah. in some ways, I think I find it really kind of comforting and uplifting. Mm. So yeah, that, that's what they are. I wanted to ask about what's been sort of the biggest challenge for you with this sort of new business jump off. I mean, was it at the beginning when you were taking a big risk? Was it nerves? Is it halfway through in terms of turning it into a proper business? Like what's been the biggest couple of challenges for you? I think the biggest single challenge has kind of been getting taken seriously because in the UK, the jewellery trade is very... It's small. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows everybody else. And it's also a trade that kind of hands down through the generations. So generations of families have been jewellers. Right. And it's somewhat unheard of for somebody from outside of trade, completely outside of trade, nobody in my family's ever done it, to just kind of wander in and plant a flag and say, all right, lads, <laughs> um, I'm going to do this. And, you know... I suppose because in my legal career, I've met some, you know, politicians and fairly important people, and some of my cases were on the news. And I think because of that, and perhaps because of my private education, I'm not easily cowed or daunted. Mm. I, I, I suppose it's maybe not an internal confidence thing, but maybe I, I kind of come across as a very confident character. And I remember distinctly going to Hatton Garden for the first time and basically just wandering into a goldsmith's shop. I'd heard he was quite good. Just saying, hello, would you like to make my pieces? And honestly, he looked to be like I had five eyes. <laughs> Who are you? You know. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of, and I think that's perhaps the difference is it didn't occur to me that that's not a normal thing to do i suppose i thought well i want to have these made and i've got to find a way to have them made yes so i'll go to hatton garden and ask some people and knock on some doors yes. kind of that but it just didn't occur to me not to but now in hindsight i can see that actually that was quite an unusual action to take brave <laughs> yeah well, in. i think sometimes naivety works in your favor <laughs> because it stops you putting up an obstacle that you don't actually have to adhere to right yeah you're like you, you yeah. don't know what you're not supposed to do right so in your yeah, mind you're exactly. just doing everything according to what you need to what needs to be well, done and this, you're exactly right because this has been a continuing theme in my trade journey right. is that there are all these kind of rules of trade in the uk about how one does and does not conduct oneself and they're kind of unspoken and they're a little bit shrouded in mystery (laughs) (laughs) what advice do you have for someone who's similar to you as in someone who's got a job doing a job does have a passion has got something that makes them feel happy that they would like to pursue what would be your advice essentially you're only here once aren't you Life Mm. is short. I know enough about feeling unhappy to know that it's a waste of everybody's time. Mm. I think from a kind of philosophical approach, I I would say just go for it. You know, I think somebody, one of my mentors once said to me, Emmy, you know you're an entrepreneur because you jump out of the aeroplane and then you stitch your parachute on the way down. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I think if you're going to have your own business, that is a key skill. Mm -hmm. You've got to take repeatedly. It's not just, there are bigger leaps and smaller leaps, Mm -hmm. but you're Mm -hmm. continually leaping and then figuring it out. Mm. Right. If you haven't got the guts for Mm. that, it'll never work. 
I love that. So that's kind of practical. And then the other the other practical thing that I would say is I think it's important to have a niche. Yeah. Try and find a niche. It's no good just saying, well, I like stringing beads <laughs> or I like making candles. Right, yeah. right. I think the difference for my success so far, touch wood, mm. is that I have this niche. Amongst all of the pieces that you own in your collection, what is like the most memorable piece that you have or the most important that you have in your collection? And why? Yeah. Uh, I get asked this a lot. I always think that if the house was on fire and I had time to grab one thing mm-hmm. and run out of the house, it would be my grandma's wedding band. Um, oh. It's an Art Deco platinum band. It's got some engraved stars on it. It's by no means the highest value, financial value piece in my collection, but mm. it's, you know, irreplaceable to me. So, yeah. nice. definitely that. I love that. Thank you so much, Emma. And um, obviously, you're on the socials. How can people find you if they want to have a look at your work and even order? Do you ship worldwide? Worldwide. There you go. (laughs) All right. How do people find you? My website launched last week, which is super exciting. Nice. That's www.bubblemagpie.com. And um, if you want to really discover the true depravity of my character Instagram <laughs> is the place to be which is uh, my handle is at bauble underscore magpie yes that's where I follow you as well awesome thanks so so much Emma for taking this time uh, to speak with us it's been fantastic thanks for having me it's been an absolute pleasure if you want to listen to this interview again you can by tuning into the light breakfast podcast that's on the shock app you've been listening to a light FM podcast on shock that's S-Y-O-K